Today we are continuing this series. We are going to be in the Old Testament and we are talking about someone real awesome. I mean, one of my favorites. No. Young faith. My mother does not have a young faith, all right? She's got an old faith. It's strong and sturdy, all right? (laughs) So, we are going to be talking, bring it in, bring it in. We're going to be talking about King Josiah. Raise your hand if you have no idea who that is. You're like, who in the world is that? Who's King Josiah? I've never heard of that. Yeah? All right. Well, listen along. Yes, he was a king, actually not of Israel. He was a king of Judah. Yes, you were close. So King Josiah was made ruler of Judah at a super, super young age. How old do you think he was? Yes. Close, but no. I'll give you something just for training. Anyone else? How old was Josiah when he became king? Not 28. You said four? Eight? Eight years old. He's eight. He was eight years old. Super young, right? Eight years old when he became king. He was made ruler of Judah. How many of you guys would have liked to be king at eight? How many of you thought you were king at eight? (laughs) Some of you. I'll talk to your parents. They might give you a yes. So here's the deal. His father was a disgrace. (gasps) And his grandfather even more so. So much so. Get this. Josiah's grandfather sacrificed his own son on an altar... In God's house. That's messed up, right? Super, super terrible. He, he did not have his head on straight. <laughs> the people of the nation of Judah didn't think his father, Josiah's father, was a good king. So much so that they plotted to get rid of him. So they kill him, and then the people want to have Josiah. They, it says in Scripture, in Second Kings, you can go read it yourself, that they appointed Josiah to be king. Who considers appointing an eight-year-old a good idea? <laughs> that, here, here's the deal. It tells you exactly how terrible his father was. That you would go, grown man, being king, Eight-year-old. Let's take the (laughs) eight-year-old. That was their mindset because his father was that terrible. No, I'm not. Josiah, like I said, he was eight years old. Things must have been pretty bad for them to think an eight-year-old would be a better king, (laughs) right? He honestly was the, I would argue, the best king besides David, that all of the nation of Israel had, and Judah included in that, okay? Because David was king of both Israel and Judah, and then at one point it split. 
So what made him such a great king? It wasn't that he was young. <laughs> you might be like, eight-year-old can do it. Make me king. <laughs> he can do it. Where's my shot? I want to have a turn. What do you think made him such a great king? Yes. He believed in Jesus. Well, Jesus hadn't come yet. He did believe the Messiah would eventually come. Yes, that is a great one. There are two key things I think that are really super important to Josiah's reigning as king and why he did such an amazing job. And it's seen at the beginning. Now, he, what Caitlin said is true. He did have a ruthless desire to get rid of sin. But it started somewhere, okay? So the first thing that he did was he took care of the house of the Lord. Super important. You go look at it for yourself in Scripture in 2 Kings, and you'll see that he, when it starts, he begins to take care of God's house. How many of you guys think that's a good place to start? I do. In Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. I think this verse, even though it was written hundreds of years after Josiah, very applicable to the way that he lived. He chose to walk as wise, regardless of his parents, regardless of his grandfather, being a complete disgrace, sacrificing his uncle on an altar. Like, think about that. That's so messed up, right? Josiah had a devotion to God's house being put into repair because the temple of God was in disarray at the time. It was in shambles, and it needed to be fixed. And it was in shambles because it wasn't taken care of, which would make sense when your own grandfather's sacrificing people <laughs> on the altars in there, right? The house of the Lord, what do you guys think the house of the Lord is now? Where does God dwell now? It's in us. Yes, my mother is a Christian. She loves Jesus, so... Let's, do we need to keep a tally of how many times Caitlin says a your mom joke? <laughs> so yes, the Spirit of God is dwelling inside my mother. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Let's establish that. But Josiah was devoted to the house of the Lord getting the care that it deserved. It's listed as the first thing he did, which brought about great benefit to his life, as well as the life of the people that he was in charge of. The nation of Judah benefited greatly from his rulership. It was the greatest time of healing that they had until things got terrible again. The house of the Lord, like I said, is actually now you and me. It's the church. <laughs> We are the house of the Lord. How well do you take care of God's house? Depends on the day, right? 
Now, I'm not so much talking about the, the health care that you give your body, which is important. You need to take care of your body. Don't eat junk all the time, okay? <laughs> Make sure you eat your vegetables, Brandon, Seth. <laughs> but taking care of God's house is important. Taking care of you as a spiritual being is important. Soul care is vital. Now, I'm not talking about mental health, which is, yes, that's for another time. But taking care of you and your being and what you as a person need is vitally important. Okay? And one of those things is being here. So give you guys a pat on the back for coming to church. <laughs> But coming, coming to the house of the Lord is important. David himself said, I will say, let us go unto the house of the Lord. It is good to go there. I will rejoice in the house of the Lord. These things come because it's important for us to grow in our faith. Right? If you guys want to have faith that's growing, you've got to take care of your faith. It takes regular maintenance. Yeah. And you can't just figure it out by yourself. Like, you can't. Once you try to, it gets real weird or real cynical. <laughs> it's one of the two. <laughs> it gets real weird or real bad. <laughs> Maybe you just lose your faith altogether, which isn't good either, right? Those who have said yes to following Jesus are where he dwells now. Do you look at the house of the Lord and see areas that need some work and go, meh, not that big a deal. I'll take care of it tomorrow. <laughs> I'll take care of it next week. I'll do it next month. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> What's that, Brandon? Next year. I'll get around to reading my Bible next year. We just started the year. That's not a good statement. <laughs> No biggie, I'll get to it later. It's not that bad. No, Josiah, when he saw the temple of God, when he saw the house of the Lord, he said, we got to get to work. There's some stuff to be done here. There's some changes that need to be made. We need to get to fixing some problems here. You might be thinking, sure, I haven't paid any attention to God all that much and where he dwells for the last few months, but, I mean, at least I'm not a druggie. <laughs> I guess there's that, but it, it's, are you taking care of his house or not? It's not a, I'm putting drugs in my system or I'm not, <laughs> right? Are you taking care of God's house or not? Like I said in Ephesians, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. You guys are actually capable of walking wisely, regardless of your age, regardless of your experience. Yes, Jordan. Not slipping on ice. I mean, everyone slips on ice from time to time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Josiah was careful how he walked. He didn't follow his father's footsteps. He didn't follow his grandfather's footsteps. Right. 
I've heard from many people, well, I've just been dealt a bad hand. I mean, you don't know the home I live in. Well, Josiah didn't have a good start either. <laughs> he didn't have good people to learn from in his life. He didn't have the greatest role models in his home, right? So if he can do it, and he doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of him, what's that say about us, right? The second thing Josiah did is probably one of the main things he's most well known for, is that he valued the Word of God greatly, and he took it seriously. He really, really took it seriously. What he read, he took it to heart. He believed the words, so much so that it cut deep to him, and it broke his heart. When he would read it, it affected him. Is that what happens with you guys? When you read this, does it make a difference in your life? Does it affect you? Or are you just like, I want candy? <laughs> right? I mean, that's an added perk, right? But the true value is what's inside this, not what it can give you outside, right? He valued the Word of God greatly, and he took it seriously. Can this be said of you? The Word of the Lord was lost in the house of the Lord for over 50 years long time. At least the book that they found, it says the book of the law, and it doesn't specify what part of the Bible it was, but a lot of people believe it was probably Deuteronomy or maybe Leviticus, because that's where you see a lot of the book of the law. <laughs> but he read this thing, and it cut to his heart. The way that he responds is commendable. Does anyone want to come up here and read it? She just loves Josiah. <laughs> Maddie, come on up here. I pre appreciate your willingness to do anything and everything, Jordan. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. She was behind you, yeah. Okay. So you can read it here, or it will come up there, too, if you want to do that. Let's make sure it's on. Yep, good. So right here. Second Kings 22, 9 through 11. And Shaphan. Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hands of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king. Hilkiah. Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book, and Shaphan read it, out, read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah, Judah concerning the words of this book that has, that's, that has been found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us before uh, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Take a piece of candy. So what does Josiah do when he hears the word of the Lord? 
He, te- <laughs> he tears his garment. All right. Yes. Now, I don't want you guys to start tearing your clothes, okay? Let's, let's not do that. In fact, the New Testament, here's what this... Let me just give you a little history lesson, okay? So when they, what they would do, they would they'd tear their garments, they would put on ashes for mourning purposes. They wanted to look miserable because they were giving an outward expression of how they felt inside. Okay, that's what they were doing. And some people today are really good at making everyone know what the inside looks like of their life with how, I mean, it's, it's true. <laughs> Just moping around. That was cool. <laughs> right, yeah. Crying in the back room of a Starbucks because there's people ordering coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. New Testament says that we no longer... Do that. And I think there's even a psalm that says, rend your hearts and not your garments. It's saying, your heart should be breaking. You don't need to just tear your clothes to go, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, Lord. Let me rip my clothes in half and then have to buy new clothes. (laughs) No, we don't have to do that. But this was the way, it was culturally the way that they would show great grief, sorrow, and anguish for something. And that's what he does. He tears his clothes because he's in great anguish. And he says, what are we going to do? I know our fathers have not been doing this stuff. (laughs) There is a lot of things here that they very much are not obeying that they were not listening to. It greatly affects him. Here's the thing. It wasn't even Josiah that was breaking the law. It was his own parents and grandparents. He was grieving over the sins of his ancestors, not even his own. That should make a difference, right? If he can cry over that, How much more so should we cry over the things that we have done that have put Jesus on the cross, right? He was mourning over his fathers before him, failing. And he clung to God's word as it should be what he patterns his life after. Because it is. It is what we should pattern our life after. It says in... 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you guys want to be equipped to live life well? Do you guys want to be equipped to live according to God's will? How much are you clinging to God's word? How much are you grabbing hold of it to get anything and everything out of it that's possible? Because that's what Josiah does. He grabs hold of the word, he holds on to it, and he says, whatever is in this thing, we're going to do it. (laughs) 
The Bible is full of blessing and guidance on how to live your best life. Yes. I'll get to it. It says, Holy Bible. Can you tell it looks like a Bible? I'm real proud of myself. I'll get to it. The Bible is full of blessing. Man, I wish you would have still thought it was, because when I stuck it in the water, you'd be like, what are you doing? (laughs) The Bible is full of blessing and guidance. Look to your neighbor and say, the Bible's full of it. (laughs) It being blessing and guidance on how to live your best life. What you get out of the Bible is up to you. What you want to get is up to you. You want to get just candy out of the thing? Sure, go ahead. It'll give you that every week. I'll let it be that. But I want you to know it has so much more potential than that. So this here represents the Bible, okay? And this water represents Holy Spirit. It represents all that God has for us, okay? I'll move this just for... Just in case. It's not doing it. So, I'm just going to have it soak up as much water as possible. So you can be like, yeah, I love God's word. It just really fills me up. So much. And maybe you're not even holding it. Maybe it's just still sitting in the water and you're not even getting anything out of the thing. But when you grab hold of it, The more you squeeze it, the more you get out of it. The more you cling to the thing, the more you're going to get from the thing. How much do you want to get out of God's Word? It's up to you. The amount that you go to it, it's nobody's choice but your own. Does it sit in your bedroom day after day, never touched by you? I mean, this serious question. Is it something that you neglect? Is it something that just become a paperweight for you? <laughs> yes. Well, we can fix that for you tonight. If you need a Bible, you can get one. Josiah didn't have one his whole life. <laughs> because... Once they finally found it, it had been missing for over 50 years. They believe it was probably like 57 years that this thing was missing. He'd never heard those words before. And when he finally hears them, he's like, how have I not heard this? What in the world have we been doing? We're living a horrible life. (laughs) Myself, my parents were, all the people of my kingdom We are being awful, and this needs to stop. It demanded a change. Ephesians 5.17, the next verse after the one that I shared in Ephesians. Therefore, do not be foolish. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be a fool. I pity the fool, right? (laughs) Do not be a fool, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, Josiah was a great man of God. He was, but his son was not. What you get out of this is up to you. And if you don't want to be a fool 
and want to know the will of God, it comes from knowing it. (laughs) I've heard so many times from people, what does God want me to do with my life? Well, have you read this? It's a pretty good job of explaining at least 80% of what he wants you to do. The other 20% is like personal relationship, one-on-one. He'll explain the secrets that he wants for you. And that comes through intimate friendship, closeness with God. It doesn't come through just casual, I'll go to church every once in a while. I might read my Bible January 1st. (laughs) And say, I'll read through the whole thing in a year and then quit after two weeks. (laughs) I've done it. (laughs) We've all done it, probably, right? (laughs) John, you didn't read the Bible for like 30 years, right? (laughs) Oh, he's been catching up. He's been doing a lot of work. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) How much you get out of God's word depends on how much you hold on to God's word, how much you cling to it, how much you grab hold of the thing. Nobody can do it for you but yourself. Josiah's son, here's who his son was. And I just found out about this this week. I knew about this king that followed, but I didn't realize it was literally his direct descendant. (laughs) This blew my mind. Jeremiah 36, 1 through 3. This brings into the picture King Josiah's son. Now, this is his second-born son because the firstborn was king after him, and then he lost the kingdom. He died. So in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, makes it pretty clear who he was. People would absolutely know who Josiah was, who knew the history of Israel. This word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you and from the days of Josiah until today. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive their iniquity, and their sin. If anyone says God just wants to smite people, this here proves otherwise. (laughs) What does God want to do? He wants to forgive their iniquity. (laughs) God gives this word not because he wants to bring the hammer down, but because he doesn't. He doesn't want to discipline them. Any parent that wants to discipline their kids is psycho. <laughs> they, they have some serious problems, okay? You know what I mean. Like, punishment and discipline go hand in hand. I wish my kids would just be disciplined so I didn't have to discipline them. I would rather it go that way. No, we can learn discipline without being put under punishment. We don't have to be punished. You don't have to be punished to be a disciplined person. We can, we can talk about this in group, all right? Josiah was someone that didn't need to be punished left and right, 
to know what to do. He, he just had to hear what was right and go, all right, I'll do it. Jeremiah 36, 23 through 25. It says, As Jehudi read three, of four, three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed. So imagine, he's, he's rolling this scroll... And the king would just cut pieces off of it, throw it in the fire. As he keeps reading, he'd cut off another piece. He'd keep reading. That's the way that Josiah's son treated the word of God. That's the care that he had for it. He just burned it up. He said, I don't want to hear it. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid. Nor did they tear their garments. But it just shows how completely opposite of his own father he was. <laughs> right? It's giving a contrast. It says Josiah more than once in this passage beforehand, right? To bring clear explanation. This is whose kid he was. You remember how he treated the word of God? Even when Inathan and Deliah and Gamaria, I believe that's how you say it. <laughs> urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. That's terrible, right? The amount of disrespect that he shows for God's word doesn't care what it has to say. He's like, I don't want to hear that. And he knows that it's speaking everything that he is not to do. Everything that he's doing wrong, that he needs to turn it around, which was what Josiah did for his own parents, not even for himself, right? Josiah held closely and clung to God's word, and he got a lot out of it. His son, not so much. The more you grab hold of it, the more you're going to get out of the thing. The more you cling to it, the more you'll receive from it. You guys want to get something out of it? Grab hold of it. In Psalm 119, there's a chunk in there, because it's, and I say chunk because it's 10 verses. <laughs> it's, it doesn't even scratch the entire chapter. It's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And what do you think it's all about? That is in there. Lamp to my feet. Light into my path. Yes. It's about how valuable it is, how beneficial it is, how good it is, the benefits you'll receive from it, the truth that it has, the infallibility of it, the reliability of it, the dependency you can have on it. There is so much that it has to say, and I encourage you guys to read it for yourself. Psalm 119. And try to do it in one sitting. It's a lot to read. But read it and think to yourself, do I feel this way about God's word? Do I feel this way about God's word? Is it this way for me? Do I believe this about it? Is it this for my life? And if it's not, ask God to change your heart. Because he can't. 
That was what God wanted for the nation of Israel. He wanted them when Jeremiah was coming. He says, I want them to repent. I want them to ask me for forgiveness, and I'll do it. But we, so many times, just don't want to have the conversation. Psalm 119, verse 27 through 37. You guys can follow along in your Bibles, and if you don't have your Bibles with you, just close your eyes and listen, okay? Because I really want you to hear this. Listen to these words. This is all about God's word. Verse 27. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. If you've ever had a hard time understanding God's word, pray that. 28. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. That's what Josiah did. If you're going through a hard time, allow God's word to be an encouragement to you. Verse 29, keep me from lying to myself. We do that sometimes, right? Give me the privilege of knowing your instruction. I have chosen to be faithful. I have, un- I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands, for you expand my understanding. Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands. For that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. I'm going off of my notes here a little bit. Do you value the Word of God? What I read, does your heart resonate with that? Or is it fighting it? Is it convicted by it? Is it going, yeah, I definitely don't live like that. I don't live like that's where my happiness is found. I don't live like it's more important than wealth and riches and great status, prestige. Whatever you want to say. You all right up there, Titus? <laughs> it's been a lot of sickness going around. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 7, I want to share this. I had a conversation, and many of you know about what's going on with Pastor Daniel here. Um, I talked with him today for the first time. It was great. <laughs> no, not, not ever, obviously. <laughs> And I asked him, I said, what's some things that God's been sharing with you? Because Rachel shared through Tim. Tim read something on Sunday morning about what she's been going through, what she's been experiencing, what God's speaking to her. And I said, so tell me, what, what's God speaking to you through this? What are you guys, what are you feeling? What are you learning? And he, it was the first time I ever heard the man cry. <laughs> Not even kidding. I've been working here six years. <laughs> No, it was tears of great, I would say, like, 
that he's, he's found a great treasure. <laughs> and he was just so relieved to find this thing. And the, the truth that he sees in God's word, he says, the truth of God's word, is it, it is so true. <laughs> I am experiencing it. I am feeling the truth of it more than I ever have before. And he brings up this passage in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to type it up there, Titus, you can. Matthew chapter 7, and it's verse 24 through 27. In this passage, it talks, Jesus is talking to a group of people regarding his word and heeding his word, doing what he says and what it does for you. Many of you probably know it. It's about the, the person who built their house on the rock and about the person who built their house on the sand. And for Daniel, he's been going through a lot of storms, a lot of trials. His family's been going through a lot of it. And for him, he was just like, I, I'm on the rock. I can feel it. I feel stability under my feet. Even though I'm going through all these storms, I know that I'm not, I haven't built my house on the sand. So I can rely on the Lord says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I bring it back to Ephesians 5.17. Therefore, do not be foolish. You guys have a choice before you. Are you going to cling to this? Get as much out of it as possible? Or are you going to go... I love God's word. Yeah, it's great. I love the thing. Jesus is awesome. And you never do anything with it. You never get something out of it. It's rich. It's waiting for you to grab hold of the thing, to get something out of it. And you actually need it. It's vital for your life. You have no idea how much you actually need the word of God until the storms come and you don't have it. Use this. Don't wait. Don't wait years later. Josiah wishes he had it sooner. And he grabbed hold of the thing and reaped tons of benefits from it. Let's have our leaders come on forward. I'm going to pray, okay? Close your eyes. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave it to us. You're not a God that's silent. You're not a God who has your mouth shut all the time. And we just have to question and guess what you're thinking all the time but we can actually hear you talk to us. You can speak to us. We have your word, which was spoken years throughout 
generations for us to learn from, and it remains true today. But we can also hear from you while we read it, and your Holy Spirit reveals to us the areas in our life, the work that needs done in your house, as well as speaks to us a hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. For a hope and a future that's good. We can trust you for that. God, I pray that we would not take your word for granted. And if we have neglected your word, put it, pushed it off to the side, that we would, we would honestly, that we would repent. Say, Lord, forgive me for not taking your word as seriously as I should. For putting it off to the side instead of having it be the centerpiece of my life. Help us to follow you with all of our heart. And help us to understand your word, because the spirit is required to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.